organizing monster here and we're shooting we're going and we got here who do we got here chris <laughs> my name is chris lopez i'm your union brother on tiktok instagram and twitter and um how'd your uh have you been doing one we're hungover again like always yeah we are it's yeah. always a good night we went to mcgregor's last night drank a few beers and we survived uh tovar's bachelor party and we survived tovar's bachelor party yeah that three really nights important. in vegas Spent more money than I planned. And we all lost. And we all lost. But we won. We're still alive. We're here. So, but yeah, but this episode is dropping on May Day, International Workers' Day. And what is that, Chris? May Day is International Workers' Day. And on May 1st, uh, 300,000 workers walked off the job. 40,000 of them were in Chicago. And um, several of them died. And this is back in 1886. 1886, not too far uh, from the Civil War. A hundred years before I was born. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a long you were born time. in 1986? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. This is not a competition. <laughs> well, anyway, so that was the one point on May 1st. But then on May 3rd, they were having another protest in the Haymarket. 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 And um, they were protesting the killing of eight workers by police officers. So... The police came to disperse the crowd. An unidentified man or woman threw a Molotov cocktail, and um, several people died. And um, eight workers with no evidence were tried and convicted and sentenced. Some of them were sentenced to death. Some of them were sentenced to, you know, 15 years in jail. And um, that's why we're here. We're here to celebrate, uh, you know, May Day and International Workers and, Day. And there is no labor movement without strikes, and there's no labor movement without uh, solidarity, solidarity here. So we didn't plan that. No, we didn't plan no, it. No, we just do it. We just do it. Cool. And who do we have here, Chris? Oh so, man. Well, I know we won. We already won. We already won. We already won because mm -hmm. we have a great cast here. Um, we have Maribel de la Torre McKenzie. We have Satomi Rash Ziegler. We have Carol Kim. We have Daryl Roberts from the Firefighters. I forgot to say, you know, Carol Kim from Building Trades. It's Maribel uh, de la Torre McKenzie from UFCW Local 135. And I'm going to say it again Satomi Rash Ziegler from the Labor Council. Yeah. So we put this panel together so we can discuss. Uh, solidarity, mm -hmm. the labor movement, because like Chris said earlier, there is no labor movement without solidarity, without strikes. With everything that's going on in the world, all these strikes, France, Germany, Starbucks workers, Amazon workers, everybody's walking off the job now. So now is the time to build this type of podcast for us mm -hmm. and like capitalize on what's going on. So we have this panel. We put together some questions and it's going to be a good discussion. So you want to kick it off there, Chris? Uh, it's, 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 I mean, I'm really excited this uh, about this because we had never had this many people on the podcast and, um, and, uh, you can't see him, but there's Ed back there. He's helping us out, but let's kick it off, you know? Um, and I'll just, let's start off with Carol Kim. Hi. <laughs> so, you know, you know, kind of tell us, uh, you know, a little about yourself, your role in your organization, uh, and what is uh, your organization working on currently? 
So my name is Carol Kim. I am the business manager of the San Diego County Building and Construction Trades Council. We are the umbrella organization of all the construction unions in the county, um, excepting the carpenters, and that's fine. We are working on a lot of things right now, actually. We've got... Um, there's a lot happening right now in San Diego, largely because we've done a lot of work as a movement over the past decade to really change the politics in San Diego, really grow and nurture people's understanding of labor and their, um, their willingness to support us. And so we're working on project labor agreements across the county in various public agencies. Uh, project labor agreements are basically collective bargaining agreements that you put on an entire construction project and or a program of construction projects. So, you know, it and when they're public, when there are public versions of these, we actually, meaning that they're being done by a public agency, they actually cover the... Um, working conditions of both union and non-union workers, which is awesome because that means that non-union workers end up benefiting. Work, benefiting. They get union benefits and protections on that job when they're working on it, which is totally rad. Um, and that's a word, by the way, from the year that you were born. 1986, rad. <laughs> I will also note that, um, you know, so we're working on things like that. We're actually working a lot on housing projects right now and um, residential housing for folks, making sure that we're building more homes for people. Homelessness is a huge issue and just affordability of housing is a huge issue and is, you know, really tr challenging for working families across the board. So um, we are partnering finding ways to partner with uh, affordable housing developers to ensure that we're making, we're building homes for people, building more of them, and then building them in a way that actually doesn't create more of a need for affordable housing. One of the things that people don't know is that residential housing is incredibly exploitive. Like it's that construction, that sector of the construction industry is really rife with all kinds of um, wage theft, Worker cheating, like cheating workers of their of their hard-earned pay, um, all kinds of nonsense. Like people don't get breaks, safety conditions, OSHA violations, left and right. It is, it's not great. So, that said, again, we're working with in good faith with uh, partners in the housing industry who are interested in working with us to try to improve that sector quite a bit, and um, also, of course, working with our labor brothers and sisters everywhere else to make sure that we are creating solidarity around ensuring that those workers are protected and get the benefits of the laws that we pass collectively. And one of the things I like about the building trades, you get paid while you train. That's, that's right. another thing. Yes, that's really that's cool. Right. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And our next guest, we have Daryl Roberts from the firefighters. Um, you know, Tell us a little about what's going on with the firefighters. Yeah, you know. thanks, Chris. Uh, my name is Daryl Roberts, and I'm the president of Chula Vista Firefighters, IFF Local 2180. And I also have the distinct honor of uh, being the California First District Vice President for the Professional Firefighters. So representing roughly 5,000 members from San Diego Imperial, Orange, uh, and um, San Bernardino County. So all of those locals, just about 50 of them across um, all those counties. I have the uh, distinct honor of representing all the men and women that, uh, that do that line of work. So for us right now, um, we've had some significant fights over the years. Um, and we were talking a little bit before we started. Cancer is a huge issue in the fire service. 75% of um, the names that were put on the wall back in 2022 were due to occupational cancer. 
Mm. So when you think of those statistics, we have several hundred firefighters that are killed um, every year in the line of duty. And unfortunately, 75% is coming from cancer. So uh, we've been advocating for many, many years. Um, and matter of fact, we were the first state in our great nation to pass a presumptive law. So for firefighters, if, if you're diagnosed with cancer on the job, it's presumed to come from your, your occupation, from doing the work that we do. So uh, matter of fact, it just unfortunately last week on the 31st of March, uh, our longtime treasurer, uh, his name's Dan Kwan Nguyen, DQ, uh, he's battling to save his life. He was diagnosed with AML leukemia. So we have a Chula Vista firefighter at the Jacobs Center at UCSD, um, not sure what his future is for his family and his four young kids. So our heart's going out to him. It's just the realness of it. Uh, literally a week before, um, you know, we're in a union meeting having conversations and he's going out for a workout. And then the next day, you know, he gets a diagnosis. Uh, it's, it's troubling and it's personal to us now um, where, you know, unfortunately we get these diagnoses up and down the States. Uh, just this last week, uh, another fire captain, a good friend of mine, Tim Strack, had a massive heart attack and died and it was just a line of duty death. We just had his uh, funeral uh, two days ago. So between cancer, heart conditions, and you think about um, California in general, uh, we burn every single year. We have firefighters mm -hmm. deploying up and down the state. And so the things that we see every single day, not a lot of people should ever see. Um, and so we also have a suicide issue. I hate to say that, but we're bringing that to the forefront. More firefighters are killing themselves than actually dying in the line of duty due to suicide. And that's crazy. Wow. So um, we've had several of our brothers and sisters in, in really difficult spots. Matter of fact, we just helped a, a brother go back to a behavioral health center in, in, uh, in Maryland. It's called the Center of Excellence through the IFF. It's specifically designed for firefighters. 40-day inpatient treatment specifically designed for firefighters to work with the PTSI issues, whether it's substance abuse, you name it. Um, our folks are going through a lot, and it's a lot of it is because of the day-to-day -day work that we do. And on top of that, I know you and I chatted about a 32-hour work week. I want to remind everybody, a firefighter works 56 to 80 hours a week. 56 hours a week. We don't have a problem with the schedule. We just have the problem with the, you know, obviously the increase in volume. Um, politicians, uh, we want to hold them accountable. A lot of our politicians are friends when it comes time for either election, right, yeah. or it needs something. And we've had great working relationships with a lot of the elected, but we want to hold them accountable to make sure that, you know, they're treating the firefighters with respect and the dignity that we deserve. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of fights. Um, I'm super happy that literally everybody in this room we've partnered with on issues because uh, that solidarity means a lot to us as firefighters because uh, we truly depend on each other day to day to save each other's lives and the public. And in the fights within the union, we have your back. So happy to be here. Definitely. Well, yeah. Definitely. That's 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 insane. About I mean, that's awesome. The pre presumptive law. Yes. If a firefighter gets cancer, then it's already like deemed that it ties <clears throat> it into the line of duty kind of deal. So last year, Congress and the Senate and the President passed like the veteran bill, the burn pits bill because a lot of veterans are getting cancer because we burned everything we burned shit we burned yeah. oils we burned plastic and burn pits and uh so it's kind of like interesting the same issues across the board yeah ptsd and and, and on and, that note even though it's presumptive we're fighting right now we have two cancer cases that we're fighting and the city's pushing back they're either you know delaying the presumption so that his family can know you know hey worry about taking care of dq and not a cancer issue and we have another brother who's fighting a cancer. And, and this brother deployed to 9-11. He actually worked on the towers. Oh, he deployed wow. to Katrina. He's been up and down the state of California. 
and we get a cancer diagnosis and the city's pushing back and fighting. And so um, we're, we're bringing that to the steps of City Hall and we want to make sure that, you know, although it's presumptive, the city still push back and say, ah, we're gonna, you're going to have to prove that was caused from the job. So although it's presumptive, we still have to fight. And that's just unfortunate. Well, there you have it, everybody. Chula Vista. Well, yeah, I live in Chula Vista. So, you know, well, yeah, you we talk about solidarity. There you go. have it there. But, you know, um, you risk your lives. Um, and and what what's the, you know, for between police officers and firefighters is what how's the how's the difference in pay and all that I'm yeah you, you know in public safety we uh, you know i feel my members have um a, a right to to be seen as equals when it comes to pay and benefits and, and really when you look at um our extended work week the cancer presumptive the suicide issue you name it um we just want to be seen as equals we're not asking for special treatment we're just wanting to be seen equals in public safety so there is a disparity when mm -hmm. it comes to wages um and that's something that we've been constantly advocating for we want our members to be seen as equal and not a penny less there we're not asking for a penny more we're just asking to be seen as equals mm -hmm. for risking our lives nice. absolutely definitely and we got to give them credit they're definitely the first ones there all the time yeah no it's so. crazy how like an obvious to us is maybe not an obvious all the time to other people but that's what we're here for we're here to create solidarity mm -hmm. chris so appreciate it you got the union or bus uh, podcast bump. So don't. There we go. Got your back. I appreciate you. So guys. we got, you got your back. Bump yeah, yeah, very good. Very Organizing good. monster. Organizing monster. Oh, cool. And then over here on this other side, we have Satomi. Satomi from the Labor Council. Real quick, just a quick introduction about yourself. What you all are working on upstairs. Oops. Ah, I yes. Know where I'm um, my name is Satomi Rash Siegler. I'm the managing director of the San Diego and Imperial Counties Labor Council. So we represent around a little over 130 union organizations in this in this the counties of San Diego and Imperial. Um, um, and we work on trying to unify the labor movement, which is not an easy task. <laughs> Solidarity, that's right. <laughs> you just have to constantly remind folks solidarity because you know different unions. You know, are, you know, unions are autonomous organizations, entities, and so you know, you know, all these unions are looking out for their members in different ways. You know, and it's our responsibility, it's our you know task to bring try to bring folks together around the issues that we can come together around, um, which can be very easy if you have a common enemy, <laughs> which happens quite frequently actually. Mm -hmm. um, but right now. You know, we work on policies to make it easier to organize. To um, you know that any policies that impact working families. Um, so it may not be directly with labor that we're working on, but you know, for the most part, it's we're trying to grow the labor movement, um, and we're trying to support our affiliates that are trying to get strong contracts, trying to get recognition, mm. um, trying to build their unions, trying to grow, um, trying to maintain their rights, trying to grow their rights. Um, we are here to support that work and to amplify amplify it you know amongst you know the entire region so yeah i always said it because uh full disclosure i used to work at the labor council um it's like it's trying to balance fg with government workers you know uh border patrol and then over here on the other side of the spectrum immigrant workers predominantly at unite here you know that work in hotels and then to put them all in the room and then we all have to agree <laughs> that we're yeah. going to support this candidate this politician this it's a mission for sure. It is. It's, I would say like the Labor Council and the Building Trades Councils were coalitions, right? Yes. We're coalitions of unions. And so everybody knows, everybody who's ever worked in a coalition knows how hard coalition work is. Mm -hmm. It is super challenging. So they are coalition leaders and we are coalition leaders, but it's, it's rough, you know, <laughs> people, because yeah. it's obviously everybody has their own individual priorities and mm -hmm. 
all the stuff. There are a lot of strong personalities. Oh, no. oh no. Well, and all of them, every union has its own leader, right? And yes. they're a leader for a reason. And uh, getting to manage and navigate and herd the cats, as it were. It can it's, be very challenging. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's, it's a full-time job and then some. Yes. Yeah, knows very well. <laughs> I'm so tired all the time. That's like, if anybody asks me, how are you doing? I'm just like, I'm so tired. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we got both the organ, both organizers here on this side, and uh, we have Mari Bell de la Torre McKenzie nice. from UFCW. It's awesome. Those are pretty cool shirts, by the way. Well, thanks. Yeah, this is our eagle. Yeah, pretty sweet. Our logo. Um, well, thank you, Chris. Uh, Maribel de la Torre McKenzie. I am the organizer and political director and recorder at uh, United Food and Commercial Workers. For those that don't know, um, we represent here in San Diego County and Imperial County, and uh, we kind of share a jurisdiction in Imperial County with our sister local, which is 1167. Um, but uh, we represent uh, our grocery stores. Um, it's uh, very broad. Uh, we represent uh, cannabis industry from seed to sell under the AFL-CIO and uh, meat packing plant, sugar plants. Um, what else? Am I missing something, Chris? Yeah, Since, dental you know, offices. Uh, you know, I always like to say we are the cannabis union, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, we represent Kaiser, clinical lab scientists. We're highly diversified. Dental really offices. Cool. Dental offices, yeah. I said that. So, you know, what are some of the challenges right now that we're facing? Well, right now we definitely uh, were successful at uh, something that was, uh, and you guys probably talked about it before, um, and, and out of all people, you definitely deserve the credit on that one, being the representative for our Spreckle Sugar Plant. Um, we actually, in history, at least within our, within our locals or UFCW, um, I don't know about other unions, but we were the first ones in history to have actually done um, a, a strike and um, not a not a, it was a unfair labor practice strike during the during a contract right it was during a contract we had just recently gotten that contract mm -hmm. but there was multiple things that uh, our members were not happy about um, and at the end of it uh, yeah we are the union that represents them but at the end of it our members are the union and we mm -hmm. had to take their word and uh, what were their concerns that they wanted uh, to change. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe, I don't know if you want to go into that, since definitely you were the front face over there, especially being the representative for mm -hmm. that yeah. sugar plant. I got two words. We won. You know, uh, thanks, Maribel, for giving me, uh, you know, you know, credit. But it was definitely a team effort. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, my only uh, job that I, that I was thinking on my, on my own was we need to hold the line, hold the line. And, um, and we held the line. I think only two people crossed out of like 110. Wow. So that, that's really, really cool. And so strikes. Strikes work? Do strikes work, Chris? Strikes definitely work. And, and was this, when was the last time you all went on strike before this one? For myself, at least within our industry, uh, 03, 04. And I oh, was wow. actually part of that strike. Uh, you were part mm. of that strike as well, right, Chris? Yeah. That was 100 and how many days? That was 139 days. I was in high school. I was a senior in high school. Walking by Albert Sands and seeing picket lines, I had no idea what it meant. Yeah. So that's that was definitely, uh, and that was huge because it was, 
uh, it wasn't just one small company. It was Vons, Ralphs, and the Albertsons, three, right? yeah. the big three yeah. uh, companies that are part of a master contract. Mm -hmm. So that was our last strike. Mm -hmm. um, and it's uh, going to be 20 years ago in October. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's going to be our anniversary. We're going to have a reunion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just go on strike. I'm not aware of anniversary uh, yeah. strike now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, no, that's awesome. I think strikes work, and I, we see it across the globe that everybody's going on strike. Yeah. I, hear, I hear a lot of talk about uh, a general strike. Also, you know, yeah. people around around the world. Like, I mean, we see what's going on with France. You know, they just walk out. And like they're I burning said, the country down right now. That's awesome. Well, well you're, the 18th, past, you're past sectoral bargaining, so it's like a different level. And what organized. is that? So tell me sectoral. Oh, we, it's basically they or, they're organized by industry. Yeah. So entire industries will like work like they have such a high percentage of union density because of sectoral bargaining, and it's pretty wild because when they go on strike, they shut everything down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone there is like union. You'll have McDonald's workers, Burger King workers that are unionized and, you know, Big Macs are still regular affordable rate that you would purchase them here. Yeah. But the bargaining is done by the government. That's yes, the difference right. with sectoral bargaining. Oh, really? It's not the unions that actually do the bargaining per se. Like unions, obviously there are worker committees and that kind of thing involved, mm -hmm. but it's the government that decides. Gotcha. So back in the day when we were going through the AB5 fight mm -hmm. um and there was there was discussion about whether or not we should be doing sectoral bargaining around the rate ride share apps and the yeah. those. and real quick carol what's ab5 what, what's that ab5 was the law that got passed here in california that um, targeted the exploitation of uh, contract workers so mm -hmm. people who are 1099s instead of being w2 workers as they should be so mm -hmm. essentially a lot of contractors or a lot of rather employers, a lot of employers and businesses, instead of hiring people directly as full-time permanent workers, um, will contract them. And it's their way of actually getting out of paying for like uh, um, employers and uh, taxes, uh, workers comp, disability, all the things that we pay into with the, through the safety net for the social safety net and putting that back on the worker. Mm -hmm. So if you're a 1099 independent contractor, then you are actually responsible for paying those things mm -hmm. for yourself. Whereas if you're a W-2 employee where you've got an employer who, pay, who hires you full-time permanently, they pay. The employer and the business are the ones who are actually um, – who are actually responsible for paying that stuff. So, you know, businesses have been have figured out that you can you can actually slice and dice and get more profit and keep more profit in your pockets mm -hmm. if you shove that cost onto your workers. Mm -hmm. And so they do. They tell you, oh, you're an independent contractor, you're gonna have lots of flexibility. Mm -hmm. Even though I tell you exactly what time you have to show up, mm -hmm. what you should be wearing, when you should be doing your work, where you should be doing your work. Which is it sounds like an actual permanent employee, yeah, not an independent right. contractor, right? So, um, so California, led by Lorena Gonzalez, who was the assembly member at the time, um, they we cracked down on that by saying, "Sorry, nope. You know, you if you are an employer and the the worker is." doing work that is in the usual line of business for your business, right? So for instance, if I'm a healthcare provider, right? If, I, if that's my business, I'm a hospital, let's say, or a health clinic, um, and I am contracting nurses, not gonna, not gonna fly because you have to come on. 
that's in the normal vein mm -hmm. of my business. If it's a, 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 um, a web developer, though, that's not our usual business. So I can contract a web developer, mm -hmm. but I can't contract like a nurse, right? A nurse has to be a W-2 employee. So it basically like lays out a test, the ABC test. Yeah. It codifies it into law. Um, and you can Google ABC test <laughs> contract employees if you want to know about that. Mm -hmm. And um, and it essentially says, knock it off, people. Like you, act, like we, all of our social safety nets that exist, exist because of these particular um, programs that we all pay into and the employers are supposed to pay into mm -hmm. and uh, for them to be pushing that back off onto workers and working people, not okay. Like it's, that's it's total. It's, you know, it's misclassification. That's exactly it, what it is. And, and it's like, you know, people, some people are just, I think most people are one paycheck to away from being homeless. 70% of it's Americans. Yeah. 70% of Americans. Exactly. We're one accident or one mm -hmm. like injury or yeah. one like illness away from not being able to, from like financial catastrophe yeah. for your family or household. And, and, yeah. and, and real quick on AB5, I did a lift for three years when I was going to school and yet they sell it like, oh, you're independent. Yeah. Yeah. Freedoms and this and that. But no, they, they like, if you don't take a call within X amount of days and you get pen, it's all kinds of pen yeah, penalties. Yeah, they penalize you for it and you don't, yeah. So mm -hmm. they they say that it's about giving you flexibility and letting you set your own hours mm -hmm. and make your own choices, but it's not. No, it's, it never a, is. it's a business model based on exploitation. That's Absolutely. exactly right. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. so sectoral bargaining is a tool and it's a mechanism, but it's not always good. That's what, yes. that's because yes. <laughs> it's, it's how you use it, right? In, in the European countries, they have been using it pretty powerfully for a long time, mm -hmm. largely because there's a, a culture and a mindset that is very like supportive of working people there, mm -hmm. which is not exactly... Not no, yet. People over there believe in the social safety net. Yeah. <laughs> they do. They are they taught do. about it from a very young they age. They all have universal health care yes. over there, yeah. right? Like yeah. there's not a single European country that doesn't have universal health care. Right, right. And uh, the AB5, so then it got passed and then they fought it. Prop 22. Prop 22. Prop 22. And I remember we did that rally in that parking lot. Yeah. Downtown. Downtown. Yeah. And then Todd, like um, he was very very outspoken is against it Todd, Todd Walters yeah oh like we Todd shot yeah. there's so many Todds <laughs> yeah. our mayor your mayor um, <laughs> he was very adamant against what, Prop 22 and I was like why like I mean I, I get it because I work with power and stuff like that but why specifically was he so adamant against Prop 22 and what was Prop 22 if you guys uh, wanna Do you want to go ahead into the details and then from there I'll talk about why we were opposing it so much? Yeah, so Prop 22, if I remember correctly, like basically Lyft, Uber, and some other corporations got together. Mm -hmm. put Instacart, in, DoorDash. Instacart. Mm -hmm. They got together to fight AB5 so that mm -hmm. they can carve themselves out yep. mm -hmm. of AB5. Okay, so they can be 10 They They uh, tried to annihilate it. They spent over $200 million Church, yeah. to try to defeat AB, like to take down AB5. Mm -hmm. Like that's how much they're invested in their exploit, exploit, exploitative business model. Mm -hmm. That they knew that if, if they didn't get Prop 22 passed, they would lose so much money because the what they're doing is so wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's what their entire model is based on, is based on not paying people, not paying their, you know, paying for social safety net by actually being welfare queen organizations because who picks up the tab for the people when they get sick? 
We do that. Who, we yes, do. the yeah. pub, yeah. public does. That's mm -hmm. public. That's tax. Those are taxpayer dollars going to pay for health care, right? Going to pay for like unemployment tax, uh, unemployment for if you know disability, disability. Mm -hmm. You know, the, and they skirt all of that. They yeah. skirt mm -hmm. all of their responsibilities and they put it on us. So they not only do they get massive tax breaks, but they're giving themselves their own tax breaks, and they all they had to do was spend two hundred five. But $205 million against. And what you have to keep in mind, $205 million is historically some, one of like the biggest amounts of money that has ever been put behind a ballot measure wow. to get it passed. But it was still worth it to them because there's that much money that on much the money. other side of it that Drop is at stake the for these people, for these companies. Not yeah. And we're, we're talking about like, you know, Bridget Browning, who is our executive secretary treasurer of the Labor Council, she's also the president of Unite Here Local 38. Like several years back, early in my time um, in labor, I remember being in a room with her discussing um, co uh, contract negotiations and, and how to approach them. And I remember her saying this, and it's stuck with me ever since, but it's just true. It's like when it comes to the employers and management, all you can trust is in their greed. That's the only thing you can trust is their greed, right? So, and especially corporations and the, it's, it, you know, that's exactly what it is. If, if a corporation is putting something in front of you, chances are they've got ROI based on that, right? Mm -hmm. They're expecting a return on that investment. Mm -hmm. So if you're voting for it, you're voting to put money in their pockets. That's a hundred percent true. Speaking yeah. as someone that went to business school and learned the, what the other side is doing, that's, exa yeah. that's exactly yeah. what they do. Yeah. That's nice. exactly what yeah. they do. There's nothing that they put forward that's not going to bring them back profit. like exponentially mm -hmm. like larger profits. Definitely. And I even like going back on that, uh, uh, President Todd Walters, he's the president of the union uh, for my union, the United Food and Commercial Workers. Uh, and we definitely were feeling very strong about it. And we ourselves invested a good amount of money to oppose that, especially because that was affecting or that affects our members that we represent within the grocery stores, um, which when when having those independent workers or those uh, um those own workers that they have, the temporary ones or mm -hmm. whatever we want to call them now, um, affects our members. That cuts back on hours for our members, um, especially like those self-checkouts, right? They're mm -hmm. definitely trying to put self-checkouts everywhere and push people to do the self-checkout. That's cutting back on hours for our members um, and, and job also, security. And also making customers do the work for them. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that was one thing that, in fact, just recently, um, we just – one of our grocery stores added, um, uh, most of us are here from San Diego, We they uh, our grocery store added in Lemon Grove, um, our Albertsons on Lemon Grove, which is one of our biggest stores, um, they kind of cut half of the store out um, to add to where they have robots there kind oh of God, bagging or putting stuff in boxes. And the ones that come and pick it up, I mean, there's some jobs that our members do, right? Because they have to put the, the food in those boxes, but they have robots that are picking up stuff um, for people that are doing their online uh, shopping. Mm -hmm. um, and the ones that do the delivery is those independent workers that do those, those, those Lyft or Uber deliveries. Mm -hmm. um, and that's definitely none of our members. Um, so we definitely oppose a lot of that. Um, I understand a lot of people started using 
online shopping or a lot of that when COVID hit. Um, but that's definitely cut back a lot of uh, jobs. And, and like I said, right, uh, we depend a lot on obviously the sales and um, what comes in for our members for depending on the sales is what affects their hours and what right. comes in. So mm-hmm. the more that we add that third party, um, it definitely cuts back and affects our members and job security. That, yeah, no, definitely. So automation is definitely a threat. Um, it's coming. Yeah. But uh, to bring Daryl back in, your job, like you can't be automated, right? Yeah, like no, there's no fun. automated yeah. firefighters yet. So yeah, and hopefully ever, yeah, right? Hopefully ever. And right. so like we're over here talking about Uber, Lyft, fighting. We have fights with large corporations and this and that. But even when we have allies, you know, we're fighting them in City Hall. And <clears throat> you know, like real quick, so, so you guys are public sector. There's Correct. a difference yeah. between public and private sector unions. Uh, public sector is basically unions that are like teachers, firefighters, cops, city workers, taxpayer money. Yep. Private sector, UFCW, grocery stores, stagehands, uh, construction. So when it's public sector, you usually deal with some kind of public entity to negotiate a contract. And so, yeah, so if you can just like speak on a little bit more about your kind of field of work and how you get contracts. And I know you touched up on it. Yeah. So, so for us, when, you know, when you're like, Hey, it's, you know, strikes are, are uh, working, right? You guys are going on strike? No, no. And that's one thing for us, right. In, In the public sector, specifically public safety, Imagine if firefighters just walked off the job. Badass. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, also <laughs> and, really dangerous. And it's really right. dangerous, yeah. right? So, <laughs> just like, nurses, yeah. and do- just like so, nurses and doctors. Yes, yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah. at, at a matter of public safety concern, right, we all took an oath. And it's, you know, we, we literally risk our lives for strangers or people we haven't met. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we continue to be that, right? That is our moral compass of we're going to do whatever it takes to save lives. Um, and we do that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We never shut down. We never quit. And, you know, we do not strike. There has been strikes in the past, but it would be uh, a matter of public safety concern and it would be grave. I mean, literally, we run on hundreds in the county, Southern California, thousands of people where it's the worst day of their life, literally. Um, so for when somebody calls 911, they've ran out of people or ran out of solutions. Uh, and for us, when we show up, there's no backstop. There's nobody coming to help us. We're it. So when you think about um, a firefighter and and emergency medical services in Southern California, we're extremely lucky to get the service that we, we do have. We want to get to our folks in time. Six to eight minutes is about the national standard, where when you call 911, somebody is going to be there to make effective, positive change for you or your loved one. Think about that. And we show up anywhere. doesn't matter mm-hmm. uh, if it's in your home, at a school, you name it. Uh, we're deployed all over um, the communities that we serve. So getting back to your question regarding negotiating. Yeah, we, we have to negotiate with city staff. A lot of the times we never, you know, negotiate uh, with the electeds, but we do ask for support right from them because obviously um, we have a right to advocate for our members. Wages, benefits, and working conditions are, are the top three for any union, mm-hmm. including a firefighters union. We've been very, very successful. We've had a lot of good allies and partners over the years. Like I said, being the first state in our great country to have pass a presumptive wasn't by accident. It was because firefighters demanded it. Wait, is this the only state with that? No, now it's, it's gone throughout. We're just one short. We're okay. just one short. Um, uh, I believe it's Connecticut. And I'll, in fact, let me double check that. Yeah, I know. What's yeah. Connecticut? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I will fact check that. But we were, we were the first. 
And a lot of our members were like, well, that's great. They just gave it to us because we're nice folks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. We demanded that. Our members were dying literally from cancer. Member after member, some out of the same house. We said, hold on, something's up here. And so we have all heard of like, you know, the PFAS and the forever chemicals, right? Um, Well, we've now figured out that those are within our turnout gear. So the same things that protect us are the same things that are causing cancer. So you think of, and we just were discussing earlier regarding the campfire, and we've had major, um, you know, fires across the state of California that my members in Chula Vista will deploy to the Oregon border. They've deployed all across the country. And when they're telling people, hey, it's a a smoke alert, please, you know, shut your windows, you know, go find shelter. Our members are on the front lines taking that smoke, those superheated gases, those toxic chemicals, days, weeks, months out of the year. And then come back and you think of, you know, unfortunately, um, we talked about homelessness and being quite an issue. Um, a lot of our folks are living on the side of freeways. They're living on the side of, um, you know, firefighters. Our, no, our, our water, waterways, the homeless, homeless, homeless. population. Gotcha, right? gotcha, gotcha. And so we're having a large uptick of fires. We're talking double digit percentage oh, really? oh, yes. yeah, yeah, within yeah. these homeless encampments. Right. right. And you think of a firefighter showing up, we know dozens of people live there yeah. because yeah. just the night before we were there, somebody had an asthma attack, somebody that got assaulted. We know that there's people living within these, with these communities right along the side of the freeway. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's on our mind as we're going in and these, these fires are, are burning quickly. We never know what's inside. It's a danger to our folks. Um, but what we, what's really killing us is the things that we don't see, right, is, is those, those chemicals that are embedding within our system and we're wearing personal protective equipment. We now know that is laden with PFAS. Yeah. So we're trying to work through that. So having, you know, a seat at the table, having relationships with the elected that can really say, hey, this is what you're doing to firefighters within the state of California. Um, And like I said, representing the counties in Southern California, I see issues that our members are dealing with day in, day out that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. But our folks have to deal with the extended work week, the cancer, all these things that we discussed. So having a seat at the table and relationships with the elected is the most important thing we can do as firefighters, especially in the public sector, because those are the ultimate you know, decision makers. Everything from my paycheck to the fire station to a fire engine to vacation hours is decided by a politician somewhere. So the second politicians get out of fighting fire, firefighters get out of politics and it ain't going to happen. Nice. It ain't going to happen. Well, I like yeah. that. Public sector is like in a unique position. Correct. Public sector unions are, you know, I've, I've only worked for public sector unions like for my entire like labor like career. And we're, we we're in the position where we get to elect our bosses. So if they aren't doing the things that we need to them to do to protect, keep, you know, keep our folks protected to make sure that we are safe, our folks are safe, then we get them out. And that's one of the things that we are, as a labor movement, and Carol spoke a little bit about this earlier, that we're trying to do, like the shift in San Diego. I was born and raised in San Diego, and I've seen the, the change in politics from super red mm. to now it's like blue-ish, purple it blue. We're, we're blue. We're definitely blue. blue. Yeah, I would say overall the county of San Diego um, is plurality. We, we have the... Uh, we're not majority blue, but we're plurality blue. Yeah. Like it's the largest, it's the, the largest party 
in yes. the county is Democrats, and then after that it's Republicans, or no, after that it's declined to state, mm. and then after that it's Republican, which is interesting. Like yeah. the NPP independents, the nobody but, preference people. But Democrat right. doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to support workers. That's right. That's right. right. <clears throat> Democrats have become oh, the sure. big tent. Back in the day, yeah. the GOP was the big tent. Now it's <clears throat> the Democrats that have become the big tent. So there's a lot of folks who are Democrats who actually have a lot of very conservative values when it comes to the economy and capitalism and stuff like that. So it's yeah. uh, it's one of those things where people are people are learning. It's an evolution. And Daryl, sorry, yeah. I wouldn't ask, what are some of the things that, because I've obviously been very fortunate to visit your location. Yeah. Um, it's a new building, so Ooh, it has nice. a lot of newer stuff. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the things that have been able to change or improve, um, especially to... Uh, avoid not that you can fully avoid it but at least to try to do what's best uh for the cancer yeah so uh so it's interesting this last year the world health organization has classified firefighting as a type one carcinogen wow what that means is like it's not a matter of if it's when firefighters will be diagnosed with cancer uh it is a scourge that uh that we're all dealing with and obviously with um our brother dq in a cancer center right now it's front and center on my mind um but how do we prevent it, right? Or at least minimize um, the, the threat of cancer. So for one, it's a big cultural shift for us. Um, if you can envision whatever uh, picture you have of a firefighter, it's probably with this big leather helmet, a mustache. I don't have my mustache. I don't have a mustache. Uh, no, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, a, a, a very like, you know, dirty. He's, he's full of soot. Uh, firefighters, we were like, man, the dirty you, you are, are coming out of a job. Oh. That firefighter went to work, right? And it was like yeah. it was like a, a badge of honor almost honor. that hey, gosh, I was the first one in. We you know we did X, Y, or Z. All that's changed. We want a clean fire service. Doesn't mean we're changing how we're going in to look for people. Our our folks risk a lot to save a lot. Again, we we die for strangers or people we haven't met, um, and that's an oath that we take, right? It's we're public servants, um, but we're starting to realize that that dirty helmet. Is just cancer sitting on your head. Oh God! That dirty coat that you haven't washed in a week is just lining your body with carcinogens that you don't need. So what we've advocated for, um, might be able to answer the question, is a second set of turnout gear. So you can imagine some some of our companies in Southern California are running thirty calls a shift. Thirty calls a shift. Okay. Some of them could be several hours on a structure fire. Some of them could be a routine medical aid, all the way from just picking up an elderly off the floor. We do it all, mm-hmm. and, and we do it with pride and honor. And now we're starting to change the way we're operating. So you go to a fire, you take off that turnout coat, you get a fresh one that's been laundered, which has been cleaned, mm. getting rid of those carcinogens. The PFAS is still in there. So having a second set of turnout, again, the cities aren't going to give us to us because we're really cool guys and they love the men and women of the fire department. Mm-hmm. We had to advocate, we had to lobby to get a second set of turnout, which isn't cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, our turnout gear and, and to equip a firefighter uh, is costly, and we understand that. So we take all of our personal protective equipment very seriously. And now we're building fire stations that just a diesel exhaust. Majority of our fire engines are diesel, right? So we're running diesel engines in and out of enclosed environment probably 100 times a day. So think about the firefighters when they jump Mm -hmm. off. Our primary mission is to make sure no citizens are walking behind the fire engine as we're backing it in. Mm -hmm. But that firefighter for years was behind the tailboard sucking in diesel exhaust, Mm. which is a known carcinogen, right? After going back and fighting fire. So our newer fire stations have been very good as far as uh, compartmentalizing our dirty gear, which is just that. It's dirty gear. We have extractors. It's not, you know, your mom and pop Sears 
I, I dated myself, said Sears. I don't know if there's a Sears <laughs> anymore. Isn't there still some Sears? There is some. There's All right. County, okay. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Mervyn's, um, shout out. But, you know, it's just a, a washer, <laughs> washing machine. It's not it. It's it's a big, big washing machine, black for better words, that, that removes those carcinogens or tries to minimize it. And then we put it in a enclosed uh, atmosphere environment where it pulls out the carcinogens and, and gives us a clean air environment. Um, the days of bringing our bunker gear because we want to get out the door within 60 seconds. Right next to us, you used to have this, pardon my French, dirty-ass gear sitting right next to your bed where you're taking naps in between going on calls. Mm -hmm. Now that's gone. That's out by the fire engine where it should be in a dirty environment. So you're not sleeping. Like so you're not sleeping. Yeah. It in Correct. Yep. Next to it. And then it just really having the discussions, a cultural shift. Um, I'm advocating that every firefighter get tested annually. There's a lot of programs that are being released right now. Um, and it's as simple as my brother DQ, he was giving, literally donating blood monthly. Oh wow. wow. He's much, he's that much of a superhero. He's literally like, yeah, I'm a firefighter and that's what I do. But you know what? There's a shortage of, of blood donations. I'm going to go monthly. Religiously, he went. And we're probably going to um, say that that was one of the main reasons he's going to fight and win this because he caught it so early. One month, free and clear. The next month. Wow. He literally got a phone call. You need to go to the emergency room. Something's up. Shit. Wow. So that, wow. that hopefully. That's a lot uh, of internal education you're having to do. Oh, my gosh. Internal 100%. organizing yeah. inside the 100%. Union, everybody's super machismo. I'm assuming. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and I look back at photos of 20-some years ago, uh, myself and her crews, and we were just like, awesome. We're so dirty. We're, you know, we covered in carcinogens. And now I think somebody should have told that kid, knock it off. Yeah. 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 Get your shit yeah. together. Clean it up. You know, we, we want to take care of ourselves. I want a long, you know, career. I'm almost 30 years now into the job. I want to live another 30 years. Problem is reality with cancer now and, and everything else, heart disease. Um, a life expectancy is 10 years less than the average. So wow. 10 years less. Damn. Yeah. That reminds me of when we went to labor nodes, remember? Yeah. And they had that panel. It was a cool-ass panel at, at Troublemakers. Troublemakers. And um, one of them was from the railroads. A union and he talked about all the issues that that the railroad workers mm -hmm. face he said that the the workers that that are working and smash the the nails in yeah. and put the, the four by eights or whatever they are they have like a two life a year two, two year. year expectancy after they retire and that's it yeah. wow. because their whole life is just beating down and then the carcinogens and then cancer rates also so that yeah, just reminded me of that i like what you brought up daryl so you were talking about you know can you risk your life for someone you don't know you know, that's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're out there. You're, you know, these people, you just, you don't know, but you're risking your life for them. And I think, you know, the labor movement's kind of like that. Can we fight for somebody we don't know? That's what the labor movement's all about. It's like, do you, you know, uh, you're out there, you're fighting for, you know, universal health care. You're doing all this stuff and you might even have health care, but you know, there's, there's children out there. There's, there's other people out there that don't have it. And I think that's really cool. So I just want to say that. No, that's awesome. That. Yeah. And I wanted to give a quick shout out to the firefighters. I know we're like freaking on our knees right now. But uh, like uh, when my dad had like a mini stroke last year, I called 911 at 11 p.m. or something. And they got there quick. At, like it surprised me how fast they got there. And they were so good at everything. And I was like, holy crap. In my head, I always think of uh, the image like you say and stuff. Yeah. But no, they were like sharp and then the nurse. And then anyways, a little sidetrack. But that's, awesome. that's what we do on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. 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 Our men and women, I, I, I love them. I think they're the best. Um, you know, I would say we took two oaths, especially in, in, the, in the union business um, within the IFF. The first oath was to literally risk our lives for people we don't know. And the second oath as a union officer was to protect the men and women and their families. Mm 
and we have to do it at the highest court from Washington, D.C. at the Capitol to Sacramento or to City Hall. Um, it's important. And, and on top of that, I think of all the fights that you guys have been in and just, you know, the honor and the, it's humbling to, to be partners with you guys in, in your fights because that's what it's about. So, and there definitely needs to be more parity, like you said, between uh, police officers and firefighters. You know, 100%. it's just you know you, you, know. you know. Nobody wrote a song. Fuck the firefighters. <laughs> <laughs> no one, said, no one wrote a song. It's, like, it's all solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that firefighters do perform like they actually provide public safety without firearms. Exactly. You know, they they go in there and they do hard things all the time, and it's really. Absolutely, should be unpaired. Like parody should not. I don't even know why it's a question. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it, it is a question, and I'll you know I'll, I'll answer that question as far as you know. Should a firefighter be seen as equal to our partners in public safety? A hundred percent, yes. Yes, it absolutely. shouldn't yes. be even a question. Um, but we've had to fight tooth and nail uh, to find politicians that have. I call it the political courage to say, hey, you know what? The city of Los Angeles, one of the largest cities in the country, at the time it was 2017. Uh, their IFF Local 112 Union fought like hell to be seen as equals, and they got it. Mm. They got it. That's amazing. City of San Francisco has had it, um, and uh, I always see my – and again, I don't want to take anything off anybody's plate. I'm just simply saying there's ability to see a firefighter as an equal when it mm -hmm. comes to wages and benefits. I don't want a pizza party. I don't want to, hey, let's yeah. you know, yeah, come down to get some ice cream on Sunday. Bullshit. Pay my members what they rightfully do and deserve. Yeah, yeah, Period. absolutely. Just out of curiosity, Sorry. your members like who are so DQ and others, I, I don't. You say they have young kids. How how old are they on average when they're getting diagnoses for cancer? Gosh, it's uh, you know I've lost a, a firefighter friend who was 21 years old. Oh my god! Um, from and cancer. From cancer. Wow. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, it, it it runs a spectrum. Yeah. yeah uh, from sure. from young or old, um, and what we're really seeing is our retirees. Right. Our retirees that are walking, and you think, okay, I've made it, right? I've, yeah. I've worked, you know, 30 years, some 40 years uh, serving the public. I just want to go spend time with my family, and you're getting a cancer diagnosis a couple years out, mm -hmm. and that becomes your main focus. And then think about healthcare. Every we've we've talked about healthcare as a, as a group. Imagine paying for, you know, life-saving cancer treatment when wow. you don't have healthcare. Here's There's another no issue. Medical? That's what I was going to ask. There is no retiree medical. There is there is no retiree medical. So. If you wow. retire at 50, when does Medicare sit in? 65. 65. Yeah. You do the math. 15 years. Wow. That's why we have this podcast. Yep. You know, want to bring, bring, you know, everything out. Yes. So and I'm, let people know. I'm curious. What are these politicians that don't believe in parody saying? Like, what, like, what's going, what, I, what could possibly be their argument? I think it's a, it's a newer concept to them, right? It's, it's a concept that, and to me, it's very simple. Public safety is public safety, right? right? Uh, we passed a public safety uh, measure back in 2018 called Measure A um, that literally saved uh, public safety in the city of Chula Vista as we know it. It put the fourth firefighter on an engine company. It added additional uh, peace officers in our neighborhoods. Beautiful things that we were able to accomplish. And I made it a point that it would be a 50-50 split, right? So again, I'll say it time and time again. We're not asking for special treatment. We want equal treatment. The politicians will say uh, they can't afford it. Or it's just not, it's just a prioritization of seeing us as equals. It's plain and simple. Uh, they lack the political courage. Some support in concept. Matter of fact, I have five statements that say we support it 100%. Mm -hmm. 
support is great. Show me the budget. Yeah. This is a support. Yeah. They just talking the talk. Action? Yeah. Where's the action yeah. to back it up? A hundred percent. This right. Yes. Love is an action word. It's got to actually. You've actually got to do go. the thing. Yes. Like that's the point. You yeah. can't actually say you love something or care right. about something if you're not going to do the thing. And I'm again, sure I, they I, reach out I, when it comes to endorsement time. Oh, they always do. You know, and it's it's great. To, uh, man, when there's a uh, an event. Um, Matter of fact, our Easter egg hunt, which is one of the largest events our city does, and it was our brother DQ is, is in the cancer center. He that was a, a, a you know basically his thought and idea, and now we have thousands of kids that come wow. to uh, do an Easter egg hunt in the city of Chula Vista every year. This was the first year he's missed it. I believe. I hope I don't mess it up out of the last 17, 18 years. Wow. Um, but we'll see every politician there. You know, to come glad hand and say yeah. hello. Hi. And again, we've had we've had great relationships with politicians, but this this here to me, um, especially with my brothers fighting for cancer, and it's a dignity and respect issue. Public safety is public safety. Um, we we feel that uh, it's rightfully deserved for our members to be seen as equals. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's so important to point out that unions and union members, beyond just what we do in our jobs day to day which is great and and what we do for our industries like to bring up job quality standards for everybody whether they're in our unions or not we do that too we also do other stuff constantly to give back to our communities mm. because we're oh, actually yeah. community members right like what's coming up in may is the annual letter carriers food drive mm -hmm. for instance yeah, yeah. that's literally a project that was started by NALC which is the the letter carriers union and um, obviously APWU, which is the Postal Workers Union, they also support, we all support. And that's the thing where, uh, for the, you know, for listeners who are not in a union or aren't familiar, it's the thing where you uh, put food out with your mail next to your yeah. mailbox and the letter carrier picks it up. Do you know who actually helps unload and sort all that food when it comes through? Union, union members, members. Right. we're all volunteering. Yeah, we turn we'll out, we volunteer, mm -hmm. we like we go to the food banks, we go to the post office stations, we're like, you know, we're so it's just whether you're an ALC or not, we all show up together, right? Like this every I've seen every single one of you more or less in a, in in one of these places helping with that project for instance every year. So I'm just saying this is that's also solidarity. Right, solidarity mm, with our communities, with our neighbors, with people that we don't know, but we we want to help. And this yeah. is this is the better part. I I always think people sometimes say to me, "Yeah, but unions, you know, you guys are so corrupt." Like, because that's obviously an anti-talking point. Sure. And my point is, what I, my response is always like, unions are a human institution, and like every human institution, it has flaws because people and humans are flawed. But unions are founded on ideals and principles of good and goodness, mm -hmm. and we live that every day yeah. as well. So. And and if unions are flawed and we have issues and stuff, at least there's process yeah. to get rid of that mm -hmm. flaw or that leader. To address it, to I, make it, to fix it. Yeah, go ahead and do that at Amazon. Mm -hmm. and I think at, at the end of the day, in the labor movement, we're on the front line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a little biased here, but I'm going to go back to Maribel. Um, you know, during during COVID, you know, um, you know, our members were going to work. They were, uh, and some of them, I know, you know, died. You know, they're getting sick. Uh, you know, 
my wife works for Vons, and at the time, my my daughter was working for Ralphs, my other one was working for Vons, and you know, we all we all got COVID, and and um, you know, while we're risking our lives, while we're you know doing everything for the communities, um, how much are the companies making during all this? Record profits. Oh. Record profits. So. There has to be kind of, in my, you know, my opinion, it has to be a, like a change of the narrative. You know, you know, the labor movement, you know, people say they care about the homeless problem or the unhoused. Okay, well, you should be supporting the labor movement because mm -hmm. what do we do? We raise the standard of living for all people. Yeah. And you want to talk about equality? Well, we raise the standard of living for, for, for everyone. The contract does not discriminate. Hmm. It's there. So I think and uh, even if you don't have a union, you still benefit from being surrounded by unions, from absolutely. unions being present in your industry because it makes it forces the companies to be competitive because they don't want to lose workers. That's but right. they also, you know, because people see, oh, I can go to this job and get health care. I can have a, a retirement pension. Oh, my goodness. I can get paid a, a, a living wage. What a thought. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it was it was until uh, after COVID or during COVID that our members, at least those that serve in the grocery store, were considered frontline workers. Mm -hmm. um, and our members had no choice, right? Unfortunately, um, there were some people even making more money just staying at home and they were receiving that mm -hmm. extra check mm -hmm. when our members had to go to work. Um, we had to serve the community. Um, and we have a lot of single parents, a lot of parents out there, mm -hmm. and their kids weren't going to school either um, because of everything that was going on, right? So we had to face multiple things, but uh, definitely a lot of the unions working together, we were able to help out. And uh, even with the Labor Council, I mean, we started uh, all the unions, Labor Council, we started doing food distribution, mm -hmm. not only to our members, but also to the community. And that still continues up to now. Oh yeah, we still have we still operate the pantry. Um, and we still serve around three hundred families um, a week. Yeah, like it, th so, there's still a need. Yeah. Not as much as during as during the the height of the pandemic. Right. There were thousands of folks that you know we Lighting were serving, and that was all labor coming together, Absolutely. all the unions coming together to 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 do the work to make sure that these distributions happen mm -hmm. from like iron workers that actually organize mm -hmm. logistics, yeah, right. Yeah. To like grocery workers, members, yeah. um, you know, passing out the food. Like we had everyone, firefighters, mm -hmm. like Ayatsi even showed up to give us our sound. But we made sure. Up. I I was in the meetings. I remember that. Yeah. Was, but we definitely, uh, we definitely served all parts of San Diego County, yeah. right? We were obviously uh, what was Qualcomm Stadium. Now that's not Qualcomm uh, Stadium, uh, right? Um, we definitely. I, I remember that one day. I don't know <laughs> if crazy. everybody here was part of that. Where we even had to stop it because we ran out of food. Yeah. And that was thousands and thousands. And there were still, there were still, yeah. like, it was scary. There were still dozens of cars in line. It was, it was scary. It was so heartbreaking, too. Yeah. It was really, it was, mm. it was so hard to see so many people yeah. in so Lined much up need. at like yeah. 5 a.m. Yeah, before exactly. it even started. That because, was scary. Yeah, there's like aerial footage of that. Um, I'm sure we can yeah. find it. Aside from doing the food and toy drive during COVID times to help the community and our members. Uh, we also do annually the food and toy distribution uh, during Christmas times that we've all united together. And uh, we've had, um, during COVID times, we actually 
I know it's been for many years and maybe Satomi could get into that, but I know when COVID started, we were a little afraid of getting donations and toys um, to be able to distribute. So that's when we started, a few of us started uh, and setting up something down there in National City and having to do a drop off of toys. Uh, we opened it up to the community, elected officials and multiple unions working together. Um, I know um, our brother Daryl over here and his team uh, and a lot of the firefighters went on by, dropped off toys along with even the National City uh, firefighters as well. But um, I don't know, so tell me if you want to say a little bit about that. Oh, the annual food and toy drive. So it's been happening for over 30 years um, and it's coordinated by the Labor Council, but it's really, it's all unions coming together. Um, and there's a lot of work that happens. So we serve um, around around 500 and during the pandemic we served a lot more it was closer to seven, seven eight hundred seven eight hundred depending um between san diego and imperial counties um getting the organizing it you know getting the food you know gathering donations to actually get toys and you know like maribel said you know during the pandemic because it's, it's it's really challenging to get enough toys to give to every child in a household, especially, um, you know, to make sure that we have enough and that no child gets left behind. Um, and so Maribel and Juan were like, why aren't we doing something in South Bay? We need to do something in South Bay. So, you know, that That's started and like they it. called Daryl. <laughs> right? They called the Lowriders. <laughs> and so now, now, now you know, we now have this South Bay. But it's wonderful. Now we have this event specifically an annual event sub event of this larger event you know which brings people together again and you know for a really good cause and that's you know supporting working families you know you know who need the support so yeah, definitely and also speaking of like even if you're not union you still benefit from the labor movement yeah. uh, my last campaign rhino I can say it now um, who cares if I lost or not? But but when I started organizing them and they got word of it, they rose their rates five dollars. Yeah, like instantly but, they rose yeah. it. Oh yeah, yeah. The fact is that these companies can totally afford to exactly. pay their members more or their members, their their workers more, right? Mm -hmm. They just choose not to until there's external pressure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And who is that external pressure? The unions. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like because yeah. maybe they didn't get organized, but they still got the raise. Which was a win either way. Yeah, that's that's a positive benefit. And it wasn't a, a loss. It was a temporary setback because right. you're going to come back stronger. And everybody that's likes right. to come back. Yeah, everyone likes to come back. Have a year. Oh, six months. There we go. Yeah. Not that we're projecting or announcing it. Yeah, no, no. 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 This is uh, <laughs> uh, You know, you're talking about how both sides of, you know, benefits. And, you know, about shout out, like, in, uh, in Minnesota, you know. Oh, yes. You remember now, Amazon in Minnesota wasn't part of an institutionalized union. They were just workers were, you know, they weren't um, getting the safety conditions they wanted during COVID. They all got up and walked off the job. Mm -hmm. That's a labor movement. You know, the, you don't necessarily have to be, you know, I see, you know, Maribel McKenzie, you know, uh, she has a UFCW institutionalized union, IOTC institutionalized union, but the labor movement it makes it sound bad. Yeah, no, no, it's not. It's not. But what I'm saying is everyone can be a part of the labor movement. You know, if, if, if uh, you, you don't, in the labor movement, we don't let the owners of business dictate our benefits, our wages, or our working conditions. We all deserve a say in the decision-making process. And, and I think that's what's cool about the labor movement because it can unite everyone. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, you know, people will grow. And, 
in the labor movement and, and eventually form unions. Hell yeah, that's what well, we're Well, look at about. what happened to the sanitation workers in Memphis back mm. in the 1960s. I mean, where Dr. King was assassinated. Mm -hmm. That was a wildcat strike. There you yeah. go. That mm -hmm. was a wildcat strike because two, sanita you know, two sanitation workers ended up being killed mm -hmm. because of uh, faulty equipment, right? They weren't allowed because it, it was extremely racist back then, mm -hmm. super segregated. Yeah. Um, and that was the last straw. But before we go on forward, can you say what a wildcat strike is? I was just going to say, yeah. By the way, I like you know, the name wildcat Not everyone will know. I mean, definitely we're talking labor language. Oh, but. My bad. Um, so wildcat strike essentially means they go on strike without any authorization or authority. Or sanctions. Or sanctions. They just do it. Um, like the teachers, what was it, in Virginia that went Arizona, on Arizona. Um, Virginia. Basically, yeah. it's the conditions that are, are created to basically piss people off. And, you know, people have righteous indignation and say that enough is enough. And, and they put them together. Yeah. yeah. The workers. Okay. The it's, workers. Because at the heart of it, at the heart of every union, it's the workers. And there is no union without the members coming together. Yeah. That's Period. what a union is. Yeah. A union is literally workers coming together yes. to fight for something better. Yeah. To consolidate their, their power, their mm -hmm. resources, their votes, right? Their money. And still, you know, against these huge corporations, yes. these giant corporations. It's like, it's still, the, you know, David and Goliath. But think about it. Organized labor is the largest organized force. Sorry. <laughs> the largest organized force fighting against corporate greed. Greed. Yeah. The largest organized force. That's why they want to destroy us. Yes, right. they want to crush us. And I, I always say, one of the reasons, in my like my, um, what, what's the word I'm thinking of? My source, like my my history. Like, what's my story? The story of how I came into labor. Oh, your. Mm -hmm. um, there's a term for this. Oh why is my gosh, story. origin story? My origin story. Oh. My labor origin story. <laughs> you know. It, it, it's it's literally like when you spend a ton of time, and at the time I was doing it coming from the political lens, right? I spent a ton of time thinking about like policies and ways that we can use policy to fight poverty or fight or solve our social problems. And it turns out that when you dig into just about every single social problem that exists, the root cause is poverty, right? And if you're looking at poverty, What's that? How do you fight that? And who fights that? And what are the things that actually, the only, turns out the only institution or organization or whatever that is constantly fighting against poverty 365 days a year, seven days a week, 24 hours a day is organized labor. And the reason that unions are so important is that we structurally empower workers in an economic system that prior is named after the thing it prioritizes, which is capital. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, without, without unions, workers are just grist in the mill. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that we have to remember. So it's important for us to, you know, and sectoral parking is good, but unions cannot ever default to the place where we're just benefit administrators. No, that's not what it's about. Not. It's not what it's about. Unions are about structurally empowering workers so that we actually have a place where we can face off against the management, and that yeah. is organizing. But I yeah. think uh, that's something to touch up on, Carol, right? You, even you said, like, we all chose to be where we're at, mm -hmm. and we're doing it for a reason. Or There was some kind of a calling that we had. Um, I think it would be good for all of us to say, like, kind of what got us or even uh, involved to even being part of the union. 
Um, I mean, we'll start yeah, off with Maribel you. Maribel should be a host. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start off with you, right? I mean, because I remember when I first met you, you were actually running for uh, an elected position, right? I was, I was running for city council here You were running San for Diego. city council. Mm -hmm. uh, but what got you into labor? Well, so, it you know, I, I was actually a member back in the day. Yeah. So I used to be a teacher, a classroom teacher. And when I was a classroom teacher, I was a member of UTLA. I worked in Yale Unified. And um, so I was a rank-and-file member, but I didn't know a whole lot about unions, as happens. And um, But as I started to become more, like, politically woke, as it were, and this was before that word was even a thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> back in the uh, early aughts, I guess, uh, I started to I started to realize that, you know, these things, all the all the stuff that we we are like always like, what so unfair, so stacked against us, whatever, all of that is on purpose. Like that's the thing, is all of it is designed that way. Like the, the economy is designed to do what it does. It's not a force of nature. Like sometimes when we talk about free market and market forces, it makes it sound like it's this thing that exists in the wild. It's not. No, it's <laughs> it is a man-made yeah. system, right? It is a man-made system of inputs and outputs. And the idea the is there yeah. are certain inputs, they're designed to create certain outputs. And workers and, and working people struggling is one of the outputs. That's just it. You're not supposed to actually make a million dollars or be comfortable or whatever. You're always supposed, like a whole bunch of us have to constantly be willing or be in the condition where we're struggling just to survive so that we won't ever get to the place where we're collectively acting to improve it systemically. So they're, they're relying on the fact that you are so frazzled by just trying to live that you won't be able to collectively organize with your brothers and sisters, you know? Absolutely. So, so anyway, all that to say that that's essentially me dis discovering that and then deciding, well, that's yeah. messed up. Can I cuss on, can I swear on this? <laughs> Are we allowed to? Yeah, yeah. That's Fuck fucked up, <laughs> like massively, right? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and just, and, um, and so I, I'm just saying like that, that's, it, it, it was for me. And when I got into politics, it, I remember. I still remember meeting Bridget Browning the first time because um, uh, she she was not um, super convinced that I was pro labor, <laughs> which is funny. Proving. I know. <laughs> and and she and I was like, because I come to an endorsement meeting and I answered a question in a way that was nuanced, which she didn't love. And um, and so uh, I was meet. I was meeting with her, and I, I remember saying to her, "Look." I have an agenda. I'm not doing this for, for like, why would anybody do, at the time I was like, why would anybody do this <laughs> with, if they didn't actually care about something? Mm -hmm. I care about workers. Like I care about working. I want every person that lives in San Diego to thrive and, and have the chance to live their best life. And I think we can do it or help do it through policy. So let's let's figure that out. But it's not because of whatever. But but I'm you know. sure you see why she asked the question now. Oh yeah, I mean I ask the same questions of people, but I also can like figure out. I can kind of feel yeah. like coming off of them, like what, where they're going to be, right? Yeah. So yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What about you, Daryl? Daryl, yeah. origin story. Well, origin. yeah. So um, my father was a truck driver, and he was a long haul trucker for many years up until I was about uh, 14 or 15. And my mother worked as a dishwasher in the school district. Mm -hmm. But my life significantly changed when my father became a teamster. Because yeah. at the time, he was, he was uh, a long-haul trucker, I, I don't know, making a certain cent per mile, right? So he was just the, – the more he drove contractor, he was just on the go. And I just have childhood memories of 
me and my father driving in a, a truck across the country, but we were poor, you know, didn't have a vehicle. Uh, my dad was struggling just to make ends meet. And then there was a significant change when he got a 40 hour work week pension, healthcare benefits. And at the time I didn't realize, you know, but then as I got a little bit older, um, we were able to afford a house. My mother wasn't, you know, walking to the grocery store anymore. So th these are like basic quality of life stuff that I think, you know, luckily my kids and I'll take for granted when I tell them the stories. I know you had to walk to get groceries, dad, but can we just go? Um, it, 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 it's it's mind-blowing, you know, but I vividly remember just walking miles and miles just to go to the grocery store and, and carry stuff back as a young kid. And I thought, well, shit, that's how everybody is in the neighborhood. Yeah. And then I didn't realize the benefit of organized labor, the benefit of a union contract. And so when I got on the fire department, you know, having conversations with my father and remembering, you know, the struggles that he had, it was very critical to me that I get involved. Not only it was, it was a blessing to become a firefighter. I think it was a bigger blessing to become a union officer and be able to advocate, fight tooth and nail for not only the, the safety of my members, but the community. And uh, everybody remembers 2008 and nine when there was significant loss of revenues in every single city, the state of California, we were shutting down, people were losing jobs. And I thought, well, Nobody will ever touch the firefighters because it's public safety. We save lives. Nobody was immune. We were closing down companies. And the, not a lot of people know this, but in the city of Chula Vista, we have fewer firefighters per capita than any large city in the state of California. We have the worst staffing levels in the state. And I thought, no way this is going to happen again. So um, I, you know, with the, the backing of my, my membership at home, um, I was elected president, been the president for 10 years. Uh, I feel like my fight today is just as strong as it was 10 years ago. Matter of fact, I'm, you know, more educated, more informed, have stronger allies looking at everybody in the room where I feel like we can get the stuff done for my members and the community. We have fought tooth and nail to ensure that public safety is priority one. So when somebody in the city of Chula Vista calls 911, we show up timely, the professionals, the, you know, like the folks that carry your father, um, and we make your life a little bit better, whether that's saving your life, saving your home, or just picking you up off the floor. We're about that, and a lot of that's because of the union involvement. Um, and I think we're a little bit, you know, on the upswing. I know it's been difficult in organized labor, um, but I'm excited about it. And again, I feel like it's like today's a new day in union. Boom. Awesome. Every day is a new day, POD. Yeah. yeah. So tell me your origin story. <clears throat> Let's do it. What are you drinking there? Vodka? Just water. <laughs> 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 Darn it. <laughs> Really? Is mimosas? Brunch? What's new? Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? Breakfast here. I'm in. Well, I started organizing in college. Um, I was a student organizer. I was doing a lot of student solidarity work with, um, uh, first with Ashi Market in Koreatown. Um, it was a ethnic grocery store in Koreatown in Los Angeles. And... Um, they were trying to form a union and we were doing a lot of like solidarity actions. It was pretty wild. Um, and that's how I got my start into organizing. Um, I was introduced into to labor um, by John DeLauro, FSEIU, um, who passed away a, a long time ago. But he was one of the leaders that, you know, really inspired me to get involved with the labor movement. In fact, um, I actually started with organizing with unions um, at, with, at the uh, API, Asian Pacific um, Islander at the time, API, um, VM volunteer member organizing training in San Francisco. 
And I did my ride along with Joe Joanna Hester. <laughs> this was so my first like union campaign that I worked on was like set from now it was like seventeen years ago, and it was childcare that we you know that just won like two years ago their first you know they won the union. Uh, Joanna Hester is um, the second in command at United Domestic Workers of America, and she's super she's, awesome. She's a hardcore organizer. She's badass. Yeah, she's, she is. Yes, yeah, she is. A hundred percent. And so I was lucky enough to get right along with her for my, and you know, I started working with unions then. They were like, um, asked me, decided they're like, hey, do you want to go organize with us? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so they sent me out to Michigan. Gave me a list of yeah, 2,000, never seen snow in my life. Oh, like wow. falling snow, like what is that? And they send me to Michigan. Um, and they said, they gave me a list of 2,000 workers to organize in this town called Muskegon. Um, very beautiful during the summer. During the winter, I would not recommend going there, especially oh, yeah. if you don't know what like Midwestern winters are. Um, and so that's how I got involved with organizing. But, you know, while I was in school, I didn't really make the connection about unions until I started with working with unions and the impact that it has on people. Because when I grew up, I grew up very poor. Like my, my mother is an immigrant from Japan. My dad is a black man that was born in New York in the projects, but raised in, in Florida, which we all know Florida. Um, and so we struggled a lot. Um, but... When I was young, my father sent me to Georgia to hang out with my grandparents. And, and I'll tell you, um, I was expecting, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but I went there, you know, this house in Georgia was beautiful, hung out with my grandparents. They were tired. My aunt was there. It was a beautiful place. You know, he looked outside. It looked huge, but it was like a regular house. <laughs> it was just a regular, like, you know, you're a little kid, never, you know, always lived in apartments. And so, mm -hmm. you know, my family had this beautiful brick house with a yard in the backyard. And then one day my grandfather, you know, he takes me upstairs and he shows me this watch and he's like, you look at this. It was like this, this pocket watch that was like encrusted with jewels and he was so proud. And he's like, you know, my union gave this to me when I retired. He was a union bus driver. And I will tell you um, the craziness because my mom told me about when she was pregnant with me, my father was underway. He was in the Navy at the time. Um, and she stayed with my grandparents in New York in the projects really hard really challenging um like a lot of violence a lot of drugs it was a lot of poverty and um you know what she described was completely different from my experience with my grandparents and then, then it clicked you know my you know my grandparents originally migrated from South Carolina to New York to find a better life they were trying to escape you know Jim Crow laws um in the deep south and it was my grandfather's union that allowed him, allowed them to retire in dignity. Like, because when he retired, he had a pension. They could move to Georgia. They could have a house. They could bring their family. And they lived out their days not struggling. Like, one of my family members actually died in New York struggling with a lot of stuff. But um, to see that, you know, that was the impact that a union has. Mm -hmm. That was yeah, the exact impact. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the fact that, you know, my parents didn't have unions, my mom, you know, uh, you know, struggled, you know, to get jobs here and there because, you know, like, you know, immigrant didn't speak English at the time. And my, my father would have these jobs that retail jobs that weren't unionized or hotel jobs that weren't unionized. And it was a struggle. Like I was left at home 
by myself starting from the age of like six years old mm -hmm. because they couldn't afford childcare because it was that difficult. So making the connection between what a union job is and what it does and a non-union job is and, and the impact that it has on people is just, that changed my life. Like it really, like you want to talk about a transforma transformative vehicle, it's unions. Yeah. What's a Jim Crow? Jim Crow, basically, um, after the civil rights movement, um, they, um, the carpetbaggers <laughs> came in and um, their laws created to basically keep the system of oppression in place. So, you know, you had, um, you know, you hear about the um, prison prison pipe, mass, uh, mass incarceration and the impacts of, you know, like not just black folks, but how it has on, on what it has on labor. It's to keep those institutions alive so that they can function on, you know, a, you know, exploiting, people. exploiting people, right? It's yeah. the same thing. It's, it's the system was built by design. So it's operating the way that it was designed to operate. And so unions are the, the force. To bust that up. Yes. Yep. Break you, that shit Union or bust. Union or bust. That's right. Awesome. All comes cool. back to solidarity. solidarity. That's right. Union or bust. And last but not least, Maribel, what's your origin story? Um, I'm definitely not last because I want to hear it from you guys too. I oh, mean, no. I know you guys touched We're on it a little host. bit, but uh, <laughs> 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 but you guys seat. need to share this too. <laughs> and even why, yeah, solidarity <laughs> on even right. why we started it. But as far as for me, um, I, I definitely can't be Satomi's, uh, but uh, it's, not it's, not right? it's not competition at all. No. But for me, uh, what got me into it was, um, uh, for me, it was a life changing thing because when I was in high school, I was definitely always bust out. Um, my whole thing um, uh, was to go into the military. My, for me, being first generation, both of my parents are... Uh, immigrants. Um, and uh, for me, my whole thing was I wanted to be in the Navy. For me, it was the Navy. Mm -hmm. um, and through all of high school, I went through the process where I went through that ROTC mm -hmm. um, uh, just because I wanted to start off as an E3, not from the very bottom. I went through all of, uh, all of my four years um, and definitely um, was in a good position. And I had already gotten accepted my senior year in high school to the All Women Naval Academy. Wow. Um, but, and I was doing great, but unfortunately, um, just uh, out of nowhere, my senior year in high school and the second semester, I started having seizures. Um, seizures, uh, it didn't run in my family, it just out of nowhere. Um, and unfortunately, uh, how it started was actually, I was driving home from school because that's another thing, unfortunately, uh, within the area that I grew up in, uh, South Bay, San Diego, around Shelltown, um, there's no high school within walking distance or anything like that. So I had to get bussed out. Thankfully, by my senior year, um, I, aside from going to school and all the extracurriculum stuff, I also was working. Um, so I had my car. Um, driving home from school, um, I ended up getting a really bad seizure. I got a seizure. That's when I found out I had seizures. Um, and uh, till this day, I'll never forget. It was coming, uh, I went to Point Loma High. It was coming down the 94 to the Interstate 15 uh, to go on to the five. And on that little loop mm -hmm. is where I got the seizure. So my car went all the way to oh the center gosh. divider. My car was oh. gone. It was a Jetta, a 1997 Jetta. Oh, uh, that was my Jetta. dream car uh, at that time. Uh, and 
I, I, I didn't know what happened until I woke up. Um, and that was, there was people there. Thankfully, nobody else got hurt. Uh, thankfully, I didn't get hurt. Um, yeah, my car got totaled. Um, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't know what happened. Uh, so then, unfortunately, my parents didn't have insurance. Uh, my, my dad just worked, did his own thing. He sold uh, fruits and vegetables out of the truck. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. There was a lot of us. Um, and uh, we all we had was Medi-Cal. So started going, seeing the doctors, and uh, all they would keep doing was just constant medication, medication over medication, getting to the point where I was taking over 30 pills a day, twice a day. Um, seizures were getting worse, um, and unfortunately, because of that, I could no longer go into the military. So that changed everything for me because I hadn't applied for any colleges or anything because I'm like, no, I'm set. This is where I'm going. So I ended up going, so I ended up thankfully graduating, right? And uh, I ended up uh, going to Mesa College. Um, and then from there, um, I thankfully I got to, uh, with just the basic um, medication that I would get um, with Medi-Cal, I would end up uh, going through that little clinics on 8th Street in National City, the medical clinic there. Uh, but it was just it wasn't that they were doing anything to change it. They were just kind of cover it for a little bit. Um, and uh, unfortunately, because of my medical condition, my driver's license was taken away because um, I wouldn't know when I would get seizures. So um, I would even get them when I was asleep. I would get them just not knowing when I would get them. So there was a lot of things. My family, obviously, right? I always had to depend on family, friends, whatever it was. Definitely kept on going forward, though. Um, and uh, that's when I started working at Albertsons. Um, there was actually, uh, and that's somewhere else, right? Based on where I grew up, it's a, it's a food desert area. Um, and the closest store was uh, nowhere within walking distance aside from liquor stores. Um, but as, a, as it was starting to grow, um, that's when they built the um, Cesar Chavez Elementary and uh, the Albertsons right off of 43rd off of the 805. Mm -hmm. Um, that was within walking distance from my house, so that's where I applied, and uh, it just so happened um, it was its union uh, that that uh, store was represented by UFCW, um, and I had really good health insurance. So once I that's what got me into it, I started getting my health insurance. Uh, thankfully, right after I was eligible, I started seeing um, specialists at UCSD. Um, it definitely took some time, and I still kept on taking medication, but um, uh, it was just getting worse. And in 2007, um, I had brain surgery. And uh, I had brain surgery, and thankfully, till this day, I still keep that medical bill because I would have never been able to afford that. My parents would have never been able to afford that. And all I had to pay was a $100 copay. That's at that incredible. time. Go union. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Go union. So, right? And that was all because of the union and because of the contract. Um, <laughs> and you, you said you couldn't compete. With I know. <laughs> union or bus. Um, but right? So, <laughs> so that, was, that, was, that was one thing for me. It definitely, um, and I was uh, in my 20s by the time I had my surgery. Um, and I was also part of the 2003-2004 strike. But then from there, even from that, I was able to, I had to, because I had to stay at UCSD multiple times prior to my surgery because they needed to know 
where exactly my seizures were coming from. Mm -hmm. So they would take me off the medication. I would have to stay at the hospital. They would put all kinds of wires all over my head just to know where the seizures were coming from. And uh, once they got the right location or right spot where it was coming from, um, then that's when I did the surgery. And on top of that, I was able to be out from work for a full year and still have my medical coverage just by turning in my forms that I was still out on disability and was able to go back to work with my position and my, my spot, my same location, all because I have a contract that's and right. because of the union. So that's what kind oh, of, that's, that's what got me to, man, I'm still at a young age. I've already been able to benefit so much. It's changed my life. So I need to go out there, educate myself and educate others on what a union is and how it needs to grow. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what got me in. That's you right. Senior Bus Podcast. Solidarity. Solidarity. <laughs> Mighty, you're a badass. That's an incredible story. I think this has been the longest run that we've had Ooh, so yes. far. Absolutely. And we can go on forever, as you can see. Damn, this episode is going to be lit, like they say. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> is it? We are the cannabis. <laughs> we are the cannabis union. So um, yeah, no, definitely. So how about how about we move into the like the to tie to put a, a knot on this one, um, like solidarity and the labor movement here in San Diego. Do you think we can get out of this slump that we're in? You know, people are living paycheck to paycheck. Seventy percent of Americans, for sure, one medical bill away from being homeless. As you say, now like everything's going to shit. I feel um, that's my personal opinion, but I don't think it has to be that personal. Nobody can afford the house. The average one-bedroom apartment is like $2,000 in San Diego alone. Minimum wage is fifteen fifty or whatever it is. So everybody has to have two or three jobs. Um, can we get out of this slump to save America? You know, FDR saved America back when he passed the NLRA. That's what he was quoted like kind of like saying, I saved America because he mm. helped. Or kind of, okay. Scratch that. We'll edit that out. FDR did good work on behalf of America. Can we save America? Well, I'll tell you what's not in this slump is the labor movement. Um, You know, all around the country, we see it with, you know, Starbucks United, Home Depot's United, you know, whatever United. I mean, people are rising up, and the most pro union generation right now is Generation Z, 90s, people born after 1996. So, it's ready. The labor movement's there. We're ready to do this. We are going to get out of the slump. It's and, and that question uh, was for them. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Preach on, Chris. Preach on. Yeah, 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 let, I, let, I, let him answer. But anyway, but, um, what do you think, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> we know we can get out of the slump. Yeah. Yes, we have yes. a podcast. That's right. <laughs> Carol, can we get out of the slump? We can. And Absolutely. how is the building trades going to contribute to the labor movement? Well, you know, I want to say the building trades is one of the few, like, sectors, like, if you look at construction and how, you know, when you look at blue-collar work, right, and you look at um, the fact that construction workers are itinerant workers, meaning, you know, we're gig workers, right, we go from job to job, all of those conditions should mean that we're barely making it, that we're barely scraping by, but construction, union construction workers have been able to create the infrastructure and the systems and the conditions that allow us 
to actually have middle-class family-sustaining careers. And I came on your podcast before, and we talked about apprenticeships at length. Mm-hmm. And you, we know that there are studies that prove that union that people who have con, uh, graduated out of a union apprenticeship program in construction actually make as much as people who have a four-year bachelor's degree, right, over the course of their careers, mm-hmm. and sometimes do a lot better, frankly, across the board as well. So. Yes. The answer is yes. It's just, it really requires a lot of work. It requires us to be steadfast. It requires us to bring more people in. It requires us to expand the bench and build it out broader so that everybody else can get onto it with us. Um, but yes, a hundred percent. I believe that strongly. And I always say to people like, you know, the legacy of the building trades unions is crazy. If you think about it, itinerant workers in a gig economy who had no rights, who were like be- being killed constantly on jobs. In fact, even even to this day, when like large bridge projects go up, they actually estimate how many people are going to die on that job. What? It's part That's of the crazy. engineering estimate, like wow. that kind of thing, right? Like it's it's like that kind of stuff that happens. And yet we came together and somehow created a system where you took contract workers who were being paid under the table, out of pocket, made them W-2 employees with full family medical, pensions, and prevailing wage, and all the other protections. Like we, we helped create OSHA and like and drive like all the safety workplace conditions and laws and all of it. And so that is the legacy that we have managed to inherit. You know, people before us figured out how to do that, right? Like construction workers figured out how to work together to do that and build that. And so our job is not just to maintain, it is to continue to grow. And so, yeah, 100%, 100% we can do it for all the reasons that Chris was saying. Awesome. (laughs) Union of us, you heard it here. Daryl, can we save the labor, the labor movement, the firefighters? Yeah, no, I'm 100% convinced that, that we will, you know, our, our hands will be raised victorious, I think, in, in the labor struggle. And look, with the California professional firefighters, again, I'm, I'm the first district vice president. We fight like hell to ensure that firefighters and their families have a strong foothold in the middle class of this country. Sorry with the bang. I'm getting, I get, I'm getting fired up here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so easy. It's so easy. Yeah. Sorry. But, but, but it's something that I'm passionate Poor about, Christmas. right? In a career where we're going to go out and serve others, the men and women that, that do our line of work, it should have the ability to, to have a stronghold on the, the, the middle class. Not only in California, but this country. But California is difficult to do right? It's expensive to live here. We talked about the homelessness issue, but I would look back over the last, honestly, probably six to eight years. How many issues that both Carol and I have been at, whether we're, we're fighting to get PLAs approved in cities across this county, where we're with UFCW members when they're shutting down, or you name it, Ralph's, Albertsons, and we're in a parking lot. I tell my firefighters, you drive that fire engine to any of these stops you know, that, are, that are being striked on, you ain't doing it, right? Think about how many issues and um, items that we've been with Satomi, whether it's given, you know, food to those that are in need or kids during the holidays, you know, giving them toys in the holiday season. We've already done so much of this legwork to build the solidarity that's behind you. I think we just need to expand on it. Like Carol said, I'll seal her words. We need to expand our footprint. It can't just be operating in silos. We can't do it. Look, the firefighters, the fact that we're here with the building trades and UFCW and the Labor Council for many years, we were silent yeah. on a labor issue, mm-hmm. and that pissed me off. I wanted to get front and center. You know, I, there's times where I call to tell me, hey, what's up with this issue? Walk me through it. 
and it's been great because it just you know for me I become an ally to the movement that she's supporting the same thing with Carol the same thing with Mary Bell and Todd it doesn't matter what the fight is I think firefighters we fight like hell for people we don't know what do you think we're gonna do for people that are in our family and that we care about I want to make sure that when you guys have a fight and when I say you guys meaning us in the labor movement that you're gonna see a firefighter there front and center because we are Every, every single demographic, we don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, male, female, you name it, we are your servants, right? So why wouldn't we have that same philosophy in the labor fights? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Fighter is in your name. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting fired up. It is. <laughs> it is. Oh. Call me. <laughs> Reminds me of the, the Bow Bowser from the Super Mario Brothers. Or Donkey Kong. <laughs> Donkey Kong. Oh, I'm going to watch tomorrow um, Super Mario Brothers, but... Absolutely. I believe that we can get out of this slump and it's exactly for, you know, exactly as, you know, my sister and my brother have said, um, we need to expand our footprint as a labor council. You know, we're, our, our job, our focus, our task at hand is to bring folks together and amplify, ample, amplify the labor movement in general um, and support the work that, you know, you all find folks unions are doing um, and making sure that there is solidarity, right? Bringing folks together, doing the education, um, uh, making sure that politicians know what's going on, making sure that general members know what's going on. But I think um, it's about disciplined organizing. Mm. We need to be organized and we need to be disciplined about it. And we need to, that's how we're going to grow this movement is through building it by organizing more people into unions, by educating folks about what the union difference is, and show, not just like telling them, showing them the union difference, right? Um, it's, we need to grow, and that's gonna take all of our affiliates doing the work, and we're here to support that work, right? What does that look like? What does that support look like for you all? You know, we wanna be there, so what can we do that's gonna support you growing, that's gonna support you getting a better contract, so people around you will see, Oh shit, he has a union? That's what the union does? I want that. I want that. And making it possible because even though set what 70% of the of, you know, uh, uh, American yeah, our approval ratings are at 70%. 71. 71%? Thank my you. bad. 71%. My bad. My bad. Every percent guess. Why is it so hard to get a fucking union? Why is it so hard to organize a union? Why is it so hard to get recognized? Yes, exactly. Like Grossmont, Grossmont, um, Sharp Grossmont Hospital just or voted for a union, but the hospital is still not recognizing that union. They voted, what, over 60%, over 70% to bring that union in-house to get recognized, and still the hospital is just sitting on their asses, sitting on their hands, not, it, not even acknowledging it. How is that fair? So, you know, it's our, also our responsibility as a movement to make it easier for folks that want to have a union to have their union. So changing the laws so that they actually have teeth and support workers um, that want to organize. So disciplined, organized, right? And that's what we have to do. That's what we have to bring. And that's what's going to get us out of this slump. For me, I definitely would want to add a little bit uh, as far as for uh, educating um, politicians. 
Um, just because we don't just, uh, aside from educating them, we need to hold them accountable. Um, uh, because, uh, just like we've said before, right. Say it again. They, they Say could, it again. they could talk the talk, but they also have to walk the walk. Um, and, and not forget that not only is it the union that's supporting them, it's our members that are out there and they're the residents in the community that's out there that they're serving. Um, so they're definitely not doing the unions a favor. It's definitely them just doing their jobs. Um, so I just really wanted to touch on that. Oh, that's a hundred percent. And that's part of the reason why we are developing our own candidate and leadership school oh, snap. Oh, wow. so that we can start building our bench as labor. Right. And it's going to start with these boards and commissions that play a really big role yeah. that we kind of that go unnoticed and where the positions open up and we're like, well, who do you, do you have who someone, do you know? we, who do you know? <laughs> who do you know? Well, we want to make sure our folks are developed enough. Why? Because they're labor. So when they get to wherever they're going to be, they're not going to forget. Yep. Definitely. Okay, cool. So we're going to close this one out, Chris, with the last activity of the day. Oh, the last <laughs> activity of the day, huh? Activity of the day. Hot sauce challenge? No. Oh, oh. No. no, we can't do that one. No, number six. Anyways. <laughs> number six. All right. Oh, so real quick, this is like a fire, not a fire, right, but okay. just a quick <laughs> statement. Just a quick statement. What do you think about when I say kind of deal? And it's oh, yeah. going to be a, a few different uh, things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you got the paper. For the I got the paper in front of you. Yeah, I was just, yeah, just yeah. wasn't looking at it. It's not even a surprise. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> so we'll start. We'll start. We'll go backwards. Uh, Starbucks Workers United, Maribel. Solidarity. Nice. Um, I'm going to say SAC, Pleasanton, Arizona just won their union. Um, they had a union vote and they just won. Um, and there's an organizing, there's a store organizing in, finally in San Diego, but we can't name it right now. But like they're doing the damn thing and they're organizing. Hell yeah. Yeah. So they're spreading. Mm -hmm. They're spreading. What's something good that spreads? Virus. That's no. That's no. <laughs> That's not good. Jam. Jam. Yeah. Fire. It's spreading like jam. <laughs> it's spreading like jam. <laughs> Daryl. Um, I love coffee. I love union coffee better. No. Damn. I have multiple mugs that have these things. So I've got to pull one up. Yeah. I like my coffee like I like my unions. Strong. <laughs> so, okay. so, you know, I, no, it's. Starbucks United makes me think this is the future. These are the young yeah. Gen Zers that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Just grabbing it. Go. Mm -hmm. Doing the things that the rest of us thought were impossible. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. We all thought that was impossible. Mm -hmm. They're fucking nailing it. Hell and teaching yeah. all the rest of us something. 100%, yeah. True. And we'll go backwards. Jeff Bezos, Carol. Motherfucker. Nice. Mm -hmm. Daryl. I'm just watching him, but to me, he's just nothing. But I'm watching him. Nice. So tell me. So I keep telling Maribel I think penis because he created a rocket <laughs> that looks like a giant. And because he's a dick. <laughs> so, so this one is not meant for kids. <laughs> you have to click on it when you upload on YouTube. Bonus for that yeah, bonus for Patreon. 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 Yeah. Patreon. If you want to see that's the real the thing. That's the first thing that popped in my head. It's uh, true. And Maribel. Are we going to use that one? Um, anti labor. Yes. And last but not least, our favorite word 
solidarity and we'll go backwards. So Maribel, what do you think about when we say solidarity? Us. Mm. Forever. Forever. Just do it. Forever. (laughs) I think of you guys. Sweet. Seriously. That it's enough. Mm. It's all we need. We can fix everything if that's what we have. Well, there you have it, Chris. This is, uh, we've gone on longer than usual, but it's because we're surrounded by people that uplift each other and we have so much to talk about and we have so much in common. I think more things unite us than divide us. And this is proof of that. I think think that's why we started this, you know, Uh, you know, we're making the, the, you know, I always say it, labor movement. The main thing is to make the main thing the main, the main thing. thing. You know, MSNBC, <laughs> Fox News, they don't get paid to understand. unite us. They get paid to divide us. There you and, go. Um, you know, if 70% of the people are um, one paycheck away from um, being homeless, well, that's a problem. And if you uh, uh, don't support the labor movement, then you don't support, uh, you know, fighting that problem. There you go. There you have it. All right, everybody. Peace out.